0: Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the high school ministry associate director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Good evening, HSM. My name is Erin Kajumba. If you're meeting me for the first time, I serve here as a high school pastor, and we've been going through a series called Apologetics. Now apologetics doesn't mean that you're saying, I'm sorry for being a Christian. It means to actually defend the faith. And so we started off last week in our three-week series, uh, kicking off talking about uh, evidences for God, that God exists, and the world can prove it, and we can see that, and everyone can have that as a clear evidence. And now what we're doing today is talking about the resurrection, and that's a big part for us as believers. And so the big title, if you're a person who takes notes, is The Centrality of the Resurrection. Or you can write this. Why is a resurrection important? Why is a resurrection important? Now, the next few weeks, uh, really the next week, we're going to be seeing some stuff online that uh, our pastors and different people on staff and even your, your uh, leaders in the room have answered questions. Uh, some of those questions are answered by, if you guys have seen on your seats, there's a book that's called If God is Good, Why Do We Hurt by Randy Alcorn. That's for free, $3.99. and costs you nothing. Can beat that with a stick. If you want to grab it, grab it, take it, give it to people. If you need an extra, do so. But it's an easy, easy book for you guys to grab, read, for yourself, and also give to other people. And so I'm going to bless you. You got it? Here you go. Britain. you ready? God bless you. That's yours. All right? So uh, what, what we're going to be doing in these next few weeks, again, is equipping you guys to do one thing, is to be able to understand why you believe what you believe, and then two, to be able to defend your faith in gentleness and respect. Okay? It's all about gentleness and respect. Nothing about being boastful about being Bible bashers. No, 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 no. You need people to, to have gentleness and respect. And so that's where we're going in this, in this, in this week. So that's the purpose of this series. And so I invite you guys to uh, prepare your hearts to receive from the Lord. Now, if you're a person who takes notes, you're going to notice a few things in uh, on the screen. Some of those are going to be underlines. Uh, and I always tell you guys that the best way for you guys to... Uh, take stuff to preach or to share with people and smoke, whatever, is to actually steal from your pastor on Sunday. Growing up, my father had his Bible in uh, the living room or the bedroom, wherever I found it, and I would literally have his Bible next to mine and highlight every single thing that was in his Bible and and my Bible. And so later on, as I grew up, I would read things and be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Did I highlight that or did my dad? And it was amazing because he would actually color code, like things that were in red were about healing or the blood of Christ, things that were in green, about something else, about grace. And so I would encourage you guys to steal from you. If you're asking, like, after the service, you're like, Aaron, I'm going to grab your notes. I can literally airdrop my notes to you. Don't try to airdrop me stuff right now because I will block you. But let's do it after the service so we can walk through all those things and equip you guys. Again, we want to help you guys to be equipped to live and love like Jesus. So the question is, for this evening, why is the resurrection important? Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 is where we're going to kick off this evening. Um, And it says this. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Now, this is not something light. This is huge. This is huge. Why? That means every act of patience, every moment you turn the other cheek, every moment you decided not to, masturbate. Every time you made a decision not to take that hit of whatever drug people are offering you. Every time you took a moment and say, I'm going to restrain myself because I have something better in store. like Every time you you, you made a decision not to steal, whether it's stealing from someone's uh, someone's uh, virginity, whether it's stealing someone's pride, stealing someone's like dignity by tearing them down, by gossiping. Every time you take a moment to pause, you're considering that there is a standard, that there is something to live for, and it's because of what Christ has done. And what Paul is saying is that if all this is not true, if Christ not rise from the dead, what the heck, bro? Let me live my life the way I want to live it. That's what he's saying. But because there is something new for us, there is a solid standard that God gives us, because he died for sin, giving us freedom to live in him, free away from sin, with hope of heaven, now we can live with purpose. That's what he's saying. And that's all in one verse, amazing, right? That's amazing. So this is why it's important for us. I'm gonna list out these points for us. One, Jesus' victory over death is the cornerstone of our faith, literally. If this is not real, this didn't happen, we're done. There's no point, right? There's there's no point. In 1 Peter 1, 3, he says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's saying that because Christ rose from the dead, you and I can have hope. I don't know how people who don't believe in God go through life because they have no hope. They're looking for a moving target. There will always be a new iPhone. There will always be a hotter guy or girl. There will always be something different. Like, you guys might be saying, oh, when I get married, like, that's it. No, you have to work in your marriage for passion and patience. You have to work at your job to enjoy it. Like, you are living on mission, on purpose. This side of heaven, there's nothing to satisfy you. See, what I'm trying to say is this, again, that we have hope. We're able to go through the pain of life because we have hope in Jesus. And how, because he ro- rose from the dead, gives us something to look forward to. See, the resurrection, again, gives us hope. Then it says in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty one: For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through one man. See, all of us have sinned. We all messed up. See, I messed up. Well, no one wants to admit that. Say, I messed up. Oh, low-key, low-key. Oh, I felt that. Right? The reality is this. In Adam, all of us sinned. There's a man called Adam, first man created by God. Because of his sin, all of us were in him. The Bible says us in the book of Romans that, that because of the sin of one man, all of us sinned. And because of this one man, Jesus, he redeems us and brings us back to God. What does this mean? See, when you mess up and you do something wrong to someone, you offend them, you break relationship. We've talked about this often that sin is violent and separates friends. And so to reconcile your friendship with God, the wage, the payment for your brokenness, for what you've done against the God who owns everything, is actually your life. It's death. It's death. I mean, we talk about petty things back and forth here and there, gossiping. He talked about me, whatever. He cheated on my... No, no, you cheated on the author of life. Like, there's levels to this. And for him, what the payment for that is actually your life. And what he does is he sends his son not only to live a good life and to die but to rise again so by trusting in him we can have fullness of life. See what happens is for us by Christ's death, by trusting in Jesus, we actually have life. We have life. We have life in this Jesus. Now, Here's an interesting one, because some of us think, man, I gave my life to Jesus, I got baptized, done. Like, bet fire insurance, that's it, it's done, we're going to be good. No, 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 there's a reason why you were saved. See, there's a reason why after you have given your life to Jesus, have been baptized, we don't go around saying, okay, we're going to burn this building and that's it. If if that was the end goal, just to go to heaven, for you to be saved, to be comfortable, like, we'd be doing some wild things in this place, all right? Some wild stuff. But no, no, no. There is more to it. And it says in Acts 4.33 that with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. What happened is these people received the truth of the gospel. They have lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus. They believed in the resurrection after, through, after a lot of things happened to, happen to them, happened, having to happen to them. And what happens next is this. They begin to share it with power. See, the gospel, the resurrection itself emboldens us to live and love like Jesus. It emboldens us to share the gospel with power. You've been saved unto good works. You've been saved to do something. You've been saved for a purpose. Many people in this world are wondering, who am I? Like, where do I belong? What's my purpose? And the Bible has those answers. It says, you are a child of God. You've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You've been redeemed by Jesus, perfect life, burial, his death, burial, and resurrection. And now you get to live for him with hope of a new life and your job is to share the gospel with all kinds of people. See, now what we're talking about this evening is this. We're talking about how to actually defend this as a truth. Because when I tell you that there was a God, not even was, but is a God, who loves you intimately, powerfully, and he wants to build relationship with you, it blows people's minds, it doesn't make any sense. But we talked about last week and kicked it off and walked through three points. And these are the reasons for God's existence. If you weren't here last week, this is your catch up. If you want the full deal, go back like listen to the podcast, it's aggressively awesome. Like it's like, you know, like there's something that's awesome, there's like aggressively awesome, like it was aggressively awesome to walk through those texts with you guys and to see those points. And so these are the the reasons we talked about. One, the first reason for God's existence was the authenticity of the Bible. The Bible has so many references and original texts to it, like compared to all the books of the world, like there's nothing like it. Over 5,000 texts that confirm that this Bible is real and authentic, written within 70, 80, meaning within at least 100 years of Jesus' existence. In comparison, we talked about Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar has 251. 251 versus over 5,000. Quick math, Jesus wins. All right? And he was written over 950 years. Like, like that's insane. So we said, and we, this is the, the main statement, that if, if, if the Bible does not stand the test, like, of all those texts, then, then nothing can. Like, don't go to school, burn your history books, like, don't go to museums, all that stuff is rubbish. Because the Bible is authentically more accurate than any other text in the world based on their standards. Two, we talked about fine-tuning, about how God has made the world so perfect. And we talked about the Goldilocks effects, which the three little bears, yes, you and me, three little bears, had the same childhood. The porridge was too hot, and then there was too cold, and there was just... Thank you, just right. And this just right porridge is kind of where we live, where our Earth is perfectly placed in our Milky Way, where if you go one way, we're too hot, and all your sunscreen's are gonna save, you're gonna burn, I'm sorry. And then if you're gonna go the other way, if the earth tilted a little way, this other way, it'd be too cold and no life would live. We are perfectly placed in our universe. None of you can shake a bag of rocks in your hand for a thousand years, and out pops a lizard with a brain and a nervous system and all these things. No, even, like, we're talking about lizard brain. Nothing, like, too complicated, right? does not work that way. Our God has organized everything, and even science agrees that there is a beginning. And if science be- agrees with the beginning, then that opens up the rest of the Bible to be true. Third, our, more, our argument. The fact that all of us here have a standard, the fact that you can have a standard means you believe in someone who creates a standard. The fact that you believe that sleeping with babies is wrong means you say, hey, there's, someone makes these rules. Like, if I pulled out a knife, I'm like shanking. I don't know why, why a shank would make that sound, but 70 times, let's do, make it biblical, 70 times seven. Ah, like, and then, then you're like, dude, what's going on here? Like, what are you doing? I'd be like, no, it's a matter of opinion. You looked at me wrong. It's not about a matter of opinion. There's a standard, because you wouldn't look at a pedophile and say, hey, that's his opinion against my opinion. You wouldn't say that. You'd say it's wrong, and we recognize that God is the one who creates that standard in all of us. So those were our three points from last week. Go listen to that. It's amazing. But today, we're talking about, again, why is a resurrection important, and there's six E's, right? So this is A, B, C, D, E, E, six E's that will help us identify what it means for us uh, if someone can check on Marco, I'm having some feedback and some hum. Uh, six E's. These six E's identify for us what it means to e- explain not the existence, existence of God, but the power of the resurrection and that it's, it, it is actually authentic. The first one we kind of talked about earlier. And I will keep hitting on this word because it is true. See, the Bible is why we actually like, believe this truth. This book was written by God and these people who wrote, these people uh, were were humans who were carried by the Holy Spirit and they have their character and their stories inside. But they're writing this book and we tested this book that it's actually authentic. And we said that again, judging against the, the world, that this book itself stands alone. So the first one is going to be early testimony, right? The first E is early testimony. And the fact is that this comes from the Bible, right? The Bible. You cannot reference any other book in the world to talk about Jesus and the resurrection. It's like telling someone in, in uh, the Ukraine right now to, to talk about something like, like KFC. And they're like, dude, what's KFC? KFC is purely Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, in Uganda, we have KFC, but guess what it's called? Kampala Fried Chicken, all right? It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. You might try to borrow all that, but those people can't truly understand the depth. So, their references for fried chicken can't be from Kentucky, right? And so, you have to ask like, the reference from the Bible. And we've already talked about the Bible and how it's authentic. And so, two, the second thing is we're going to have. An eyewitness testimony. So one is going to be, again, an early testimony. And within the early testimony, we're saying eyewitness testimony. There were people who actually saw and experienced the resurrection. Literally, the the second half of the book of John and the book of Acts, written by a man called Luke, who is a doctor. How many of you guys have doctors in your life? You've been to the doctor, right? You go and get checked out. They put a thermometer down your ear, under your arm or wherever, like, they do stuff. Your ear? Behind your ear? Weird. Okay, like, they do all these things, right? But then their job is to study and to make, like, accurate, like, prescriptions, because if they don't, because medicine is a practice, what happens? You're done, right? So he's a meticulous person. These are people who could be trusted. And these people write in the book of Acts, Acts 1:3, it says he presented, speaking of Jesus. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them for 40 days. Jesus rose from the dead and then hung out for how long? 40 days. Now people come to your house to chill, whatever, an hour, two hours. No, no, 40 days. You're like, I know how he smells. I know what he looks like. I know what his breath is like. Like, you get to know who he is, this risen, resurrected Jesus. He ate food with people. He's chilling. So they experienced who he was. And how many people do you think experienced him at least? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, it says, Then he appeared to them, and, and more than 500 brothers at one time. That at least one time, of all those 40 days, At least 500 people saw him. Now, you guys all are aware of the internet? Because the internet is basically undefeated. And if I ended up going to the Thousand Oaks Mall, right? And I was wearing some, like, multicolored shorts and a white shirt, and I was walking around and had a clown, like, mask on, and I took it off, and you took pictures of me, right? What happens? Everyone's gonna say, I saw you, there's a picture. How many people saw you? Look, all these people saw you and they have evidence, they wrote about it, they documented it with their phones. At least 500 people, you'd be like, yo, if I, even if I tried to deny you'd be like, dude, 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 don't, don't even try We saw you. Fashion police, chief called, that's not it. Like, that's not your vibe, do not do that again, you're shaming your whole, like, clan. Don't do it, right? So what's happening here is that at least 500 people at one time saw Jesus. Then, within this this actual part of it, we have second-hand testimony. So not only people who saw him physically, we have people who talked about it after. Who talked about it after, and I actually can't see that real quick, but I see that there's a man uh, called Tacitus, there we go. There's a man called Tacitus, and he's a historian. And he writes about not only Christians, but also Christ's. And what they believed about what Christ did and how this Christ empowered these believers to live wild, with bold faith, loving people. He documents that Jesus actually lived and died. Because one of the things that people have said is, this Jesus never died. He didn't die. It's a story. It was made up. They say, one, he didn't exist. Two, he, he didn't die. And they they throw this in the face of the Roman like 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 the whole Roman Empire, where Romans are known for their tactile, tactile like extreme ways to kill a man. Like they got all the ways to do it. And you know how a man dies from crucifixion? You hang up on a cross with a stake between your legs, and your and, and between your arms right here. Not in your hands because it would tear the flesh from the weight of your body. I don't know, know like no. You know, shade on whoever is, whatever. My weight's not your weight, whatever. Right? This is me. I'm, I'm dead. Okay, I'm just done. Right? Just through his arms, right? back, And he, he's pushing up with the weight of his body to try to catch a breath. And then out. And he does this for hours, for hours. And what happens is you die because your lungs collapse, you're tired, and you're just done. And when, to make sure that you're actually dead, what do they do? They pierce like a spear through your side to make sure that it pierces your lungs and you're done, you're dead. So they're saying that these people did all that stuff and Jesus did not die. That he just, I don't know, he fell asleep. <laughs> like, after like being awake for hours, pierced through like his rib cage, his heart spilling blood and water, that he just said, you know what? After three days, I'm gonna get out my tomb with holes in my hands, and my feet, and just walk away. You know, I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to jerk. Like, this is it. This is what they're trying to say. Like, he just walked away. They, no, that doesn't make any sense. No, no. People who are not on your team, people who are not Christians, record what happened to Jesus and how these Christians lived after the fact. So not only people who are Christian, but also non-Christians testify to this being real. Now... How many of you guys love to tell good stories? I love a good story. That's why we like, we like to watch movies. Recently, I've been watching um, this thing on Netflix where they take people who have special abilities and they have dates with people. It's the most amazing thing. It's, it's awesome. It's a blessing. I love it. I love it. And so what happens is when you're telling a story, you want to make yourself look good, to look great, right? To look like a, a superhero, an awesome person. So let's logically work through this. If you're a disciple, an apostle, you work with Jesus, you walked with him for three years. You're his boy, his homie. You don't share things that make you look bad. Like, for example, you don't say, I denied Jesus three times. <laughs> that does not look good on a resume. Like, <laughs> between you and the creator of the universe, it does not look good. Or you don't say, guess what? When Jesus went in his, was in his tomb, oh, guess what? The women went, and we were scared hiding for our lives. You don't, you don't do that. Okay, you're talking about like men who have pride, who work through pride, who are not leading well, who like like all of us have like issues. But think about this: they said, "No, no, no." These women went out there, and we were afraid. They wrote about that, and who gets the testimony? Who hears first that Jesus is arisen from the dead? These ladies. So who who writes that as a man? Who writes that? No, he in humility. They're writing the truth of what happened, and they're testifying. So they, the fact that these people do so shows us, one, that people don't make up stories to make them look bad. They, do, they actually want to hide these things, but they didn't do so. They put all the embarrassing details out there. Again, that point is embarrassing details. It's all out there. Not only in the New Testament, also in the Old Testament, See, and then the next one is going to be this one, excruciating testimony. How many guys have ever stepped on a Lego, all right? What's the sound you make when you step on a Lego? Ooh, ouch, just like a little, Look, you ouch, ouch, right? No, no, I'm not like, like a bear, uh, I don't know, makes sounds, right? But the point is this, right, uh, that these people have gone through a lot of embarrassing details. They've also been willing to go through an excruciating time. So, you ask yourself, what did they gain? Because really, you'd want to tell this story, even if you stole his body, because you're trying to gain something. There's something you're trying to win, right? We're just thinking logically, right? You and me, we're in the room. Forget all the other people, right? The internet's not here, just you and us, right? This is our living room. What did they gain? Did they gain the chicks? Did they gain the money? Like, did, did they, like, power, sex, money? Like, where was it? What did they gain? What did they win? Like, what is it that they overcame by saying Jesus is real? Because the reality is this. All these people suffered and suffered badly. Peter, Simon Peter, the same guy who said, I denied Jesus three times, was crucified upside down. Now, think about that excruciating pain we just talked about. But then he's crucified upside down. Insane. Then you have a guy called John. John. John was boiled alive. You guys were fried chicken at your house? Maybe not this area, whatever. Like, you, like, think about it. Like, you are going to be boiled alive in oil. You don't die. <laughs> Just like, whoa. All right, brother. All right. Okay. You're doing it. And then he gets exiled to an island of Patmos to die alone. Think about that. That's insane. That's crazy. These people, why? Because they believed what happened was real and they were able to testify. Now, no one does that for a lie. Who does that for a lie? Not me. Because the moment your mom comes home and the pressure is on and she's like, where is the money I left on the table or where is... The cookie in the cookie jar, so cute, cute story. Oh, who to the cookie jar? Who stole the cookie? And you're like, it wasn't me, mommy, it wasn't me. Once she says, like, wait till your dad gets home, you're like, it was me. I'm sorry. Like, real quick. Like, you don't even, like, waste time unless you're, like, one of those hardcore people. Then you need more extra stuff and whatever. I don't know what happens at your house, but at my house, it was different, right? So there's, there, there's, you're willing to go through excruciating pain, not for a life, because it is authentic and it is true. It says in Hebrews 11.35, speaking of these people, that some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to a better life. See, they had hope. They're willing to be tortured because they have hope, right? We Talk about hope. And it says also, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, willing to go to jail. Will you go to jail for God? Are you willing to do that? There are people right now who are in the Chinese church who are underneath like random places. When they get Bibles, you have so many Bibles in this church and almost in every seat and every place that are just thrown anywhere. You go to people's houses and they don't even care whose Bible is. They leave their Bible everywhere. But when they get one page of the Bible, they spend time to memorize that page and pass it on to other people. And here we are. Think about that. Are you willing, in this state where the Christianity is, is like against the law, consider that. They're willing to go to prison. It says this again. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. That means the magician trick didn't happen where you come back together, okay? Like, and some of y'all are laughing, but for real though, think about this. Sawn in half. Sawn in half. Like, that's what happened to them. This was their, this was their, their, their bones and faith and trust in Jesus. They were killed with the sword. They went out about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, for whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. This is how these people lived. Why? Because not only did they just believe that it was true, they knew that it was true. They had faith that it was true. Some of these people had not even experienced, in Hebrews chapter uh, 11, had never even experienced the resurrection yet. Some people died in hope of the resurrection. And here we are on this side, right? Having had people who have experienced it, had testimony, at least 500 people saw him at one time. The world can't deny the authenticity of the Bible. And we're like, you know what? Do what? Live in love like Jesus? I don't know if I want to do that. Bro, that's too hard. Do what? Go on a mission trip? Do, like, serve on a Sunday? Like, what are you talking about? I'm too busy. Too busy? Do you know how Jesus died and went through all that stuff and people still trash-tacking the guy? Like, still, this is like God, okay? But he's willing to do all these things so you can make a choice to live and love like him. This is, this is insane. This is the greatness of our God. And people can push all these ideas and stuff against us, but look, this is what's happening right here. We just walk through these things logically. I'm not like trying to like, convince you of something else. I'm like, dude, this is what's happening here. We're, we're seeing this together. It says that again... They did this because they had hope that they might rise again to a better life, a resurrection in Jesus. See, Jesus did rise from the dead to give us life and life to the fullest. Now, just for funsies, you guys ready? You guys like fun? For funsies! (laughs) There's some people who pretended to be a Messiah, who pretended to be Jesus. And guess what? Do you think they rose from the dead? That's the first question. Also, we ask ourselves, like, what happened to their followers? Because all these people, all these Christians did what? Sawn in half, crucified upside down, boiled in oil, thrown off the sides of buildings, literally. Like, they would, if you go read, uh, I think it's called uh, Clement. Clement of Rome, a historian, he's also Christian, or Polycarp, writing about these people. He says, he says that these Christians, that they would make arguments about them and be angry like, have real anger about them, and yet they could have nothing uh, against them, like, by the law to lock them up. There was nothing against them. He talked about how they lived. They were both a people of, 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 the, of the land they lived. And if they moved from one city to another city, they didn't say, we don't obey your the laws. They obeyed the laws of the land. They intermarried with other, other people. See, like, talking about, like, even, like, racial justice, like, even intermarriage, they were doing that before, that Christians have been on that plan forever, right? Like, we're the people who are caring for the sick. Now, again, if you have some time, go Google Clement of Rome. Go read his, his, his uh, uh, testimony. And when he talks about these Christians, how they live, it will blow your mind. And you compare it to your life and say, Jesus, am I living as a believer? Am I living and loving like you? These people who pretended to be Jesus, for funsies, Got to bring it back because it's getting a little serious there. Woo. These people, one, didn't resurrect, and two, their followers, didn't follow them at all. The first person we're looking at right here is a, a favorite because she was called the mother. Say the mother. The mother. The mother lived for a few years. She died in 1784. I'm still waiting for Anne Lee to rise from the dead. Have you guys heard of Anne Lee? No? Anyone? In the news? CNN? BBC? Maybe you like Fox News. Whatever it is. Like what, like, what are we looking at? Like, Channel 5? Like, YouTube? Is there some viral video? Because if someone rose from the dead, viral. Easy. Easy money. 15 million followers. I don't know how many people on the earth, but you'll have all the followers and extras and even bots. Like, what happen for you? Right? She had a, follower, a following of people called the Shakers. And these people, have you heard of them? Shaker movement? Anyone? No? Why? Well... She didn't rise from the dead. Well, I guess, well, there's that. How did she die? People beat her to death. They're like, you're on the rock. Beat her. Done. Like, she's not here, right? Well, just, just being honest. Just being honest amongst friends. The other person is a guy called David Koresh. Some of you guys have Netflix. You have Netflix? You have Netflix? If you don't have Netflix, come to me. I'll give you my password or give you a profile, right? You can go watch this on Netflix about Waco, uh, of a guy called, again, David Koresh of Branch Davidian, 1993. FBI is investigating this home because he's wilding out doing weird stuff. As the worship team comes up, we're going to end this very spiritually as we talk about this guy and make fun of him because it's just interesting. Right? He ends up doing all this wild stuff, having people come over, taking all kinds of women and children and bearing these kids, and they live in this, this house, and FBI is investigating this guy. Well, he claims to be Christ, reincarnation, and he's going to not only die but also rise from the dead. Guess what? They came to attack this guy. FBI came to take out the people. They took out and rescued some people. Some people, however, did not escape, and there was a a fire that he started. And who dies in that fire? David Koresh. Do have you? No. You never heard it. Is he alive? No. Maybe. Not sure. You can't be somehow alive, somehow dead. It doesn't work that way, okay? Like, you're either dead or alive. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, there's no com si, comme sa. Like, it's just, like, straight, right? It's straight. It's a straight thing. No, we've never heard of this guy. It's insane. And all his followers, no one follows this guy. In fact, we we can go watch this documentary, and it's well done. And you're like, dude, this is insane that people believe this stuff. But our Christ, our Savior, Jesus, the God-man, he lived A perfect life. And even walking through these eaves, we can see that he is actually alive. And he's not only alive, he's coming back for us. This is our hope. That this God will come back for us to redeem us, to reconcile us to himself, to bring us back to him. And while you're here, if you're a child of God, you believed in the name of Jesus, then your role is to share that gospel, share that news with all people, to bring them to the heart of God, like that's, that's your job, that's your role, that's your call. And if you've not experienced this gift, this idea, this experience of true love and wholeness and resurrection in your day-to-day life, the hope that we're talking about, you have an opportunity to do so by accepting Jesus in your heart. That doesn't mean that he's going to be a little man and then climb in and do weird stuff. and like, No, no, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that you choose to say, God, you are God, you are smarter than me, and I am not the one who controls my life. You are. That that I am a sinner. That indeed, like I talked about in the beginning, that he died for all of our mistakes to give us life in him. And if you want to talk about that really authentically, we have leaders in the room after the service. Please take some time to talk to us. We're here for you. We have tags that say HSM leader. We're here for you. To pray with you. To walk this life with you. The last E is called expected testimony. Right? You guys thought it was done. I know. I'm sorry. Expected testimony. It says this. And this is the point. That all these things that happened were prophesied years before they came to pass. Years before they came to pass. If you read the book of Daniel. like. Heavily prophetic book. I think maybe next summer we might do uh, uh, an intensive in Daniel. I don't know. We'll see what God does, right? But, like, you look and you're like, dude, these are things that are happening in the future. The most uncanny of these things, right? The most uncanny of these, 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 these testimonies of Christ's resurrection, even his suffering, over the 300 of them that exist is in Isaiah 53, if you guys have a Bible, Isaiah 53, mark that, circle that. And then you compare that, what happens to, to, to Jesus in the book of John. And it's like word per word. How do he have known? How would Isaiah would have been able to prophesy this truth that's going to happen? Not only that he's going to suffer, but also he's going to be resurrected to glory. This is our God. And if he has the meticulous heart and nature to plan for his son to be brutally murdered so you can have life. How much more does he have purpose for you? Like he made this happen for you. The Bible says that he did this to bring us back to God. What I invite you guys to do right now is to stand up and pray with me. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to ask the Holy Spirit to to make these truths real in you, to give you boldness, to live this life for him, so you can live out the purpose that God has called you to. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for just these few minutes to talk about how you've graced us and covered us with your love. And you've marked our lives with purpose, Lord. I ask that you open hearts, Lord God, to one, hear this truth, Lord God. Receive your love. Receive your gift. And for those who have not known you, Lord God, embold- uh, just embolden them, Lord God, to take that step of faith, Lord God. Give them that faith, Lord God. The gift of faith to hold on to your truth, Lord God. Resurrect what's dead inside of them, Lord God, so they can learn to love you, to walk like you, Lord God. For those who have trusted you, Lord, give them, Lord God, the strength again to share your gospel with power, the same way the apostles did, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for what you've done for us on the cross not just dying for our sin, but also rising from the dead. We thank you for that, Lord. Let that be an image for us to hold on to of your love and your grace. And our God's people say, Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, visit us on Instagram at calvaryhsm 805. Go live and love like Jesus.